I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business Podcast. I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business Podcast. would have probably been my favorite song. You see what loose. I'm saying? Because I okay. loose, loose one like I just love the beat. I love the vibe. I love the space I was in when I recorded it. So I negate that when I listen now because Whitey with No Man is one of the later songs I recorded. And I think it has the best production as far as just overall quality of sound, whether you like the song or not. So Okay. Okay. Well man, look, I this is so not the way I do normal interviews, man, but like you're not a normal interviewee. So <laughs> Thank I you, started. Sir. I was about to say, would you say it's unorthodox? Yeah, it's, it's, it's unorthodox, though. <laughs> it's unorthodox, pun intended. Like it's um. Uh, mm. So I let me introduce you just in a in a way, in some kind of way, and give everybody some context right. to what's going on here. So this is Marshall Moses. Um, his brother Brandon Moses and he were. I mean, idol is a strong word, but like. Man, I always yeah, don't I use that. Always, I'm very big on words, but I know what you mean. Don't yeah, use yeah. What's a better word, word here, that people man? Use. Like, I uh, inspirational, inspiration, um, role model in a sense. For some reason, we demean role model, but praise idol, the word. I don't know why. We, I don't think we should use idol. We idolize no person, but right. you, uh, we we model certain things. And what was crazy is you were actually a model of something for us too. So it doesn't have to always be someone older. Right, that's interesting. When you guys say that, for, for whatever reason, words don't hit me as what they are at times. So when you say that, it's like, it's dope. That's cool. But um, mm-hmm. I always, I would live to myself. So I always noticed you guys were what I what inspired me. So I always try to be around you guys. Um, even when you went to Oklahoma State and played ball there, like I was still always trying to hit mm-hmm. you up, get on five-minute calls. You would get on five-minute calls with me, man. So I appreciate you, one, for the time and for everything you do for the music you put out and just for who you are, man. So, uh, word, man. Thank you. Informal introduction, but I got a lot of different topics I want to talk about, man. Let's do it. First one, tell me about background. Talk about Aiken. Talk about just hooping and moving in North Carolina. And if you can mix that in there, like when did your love for music enter the scene? Um, all right. Well, you said uh, the first thing we'll go on succession. Aiken, uh, born and raised Aiken, South Carolina. Um, small town on the border, or very close to bordering Georgia and South Carolina. Um, so I point, I say that to paint a picture of not a big city guy. You know, uh, we were usually on the lower end as far as receiving things that the rest of the country or world got as, far, as long as they were in, uh, you know, places like New York or, or California, things like that. 
and that's my personal take on it. Other people may not agree, but that's part of how I agree, you know, and that, and that I think my AAU coach who I played for could see that even before I could and gave me the opportunity to move to North Carolina because it was a basketball state, uh, meaning they're known to produce basketball high school talent and they're successful. So that's how I got there. Um, what else did you say? I want to address everything you said, so. So we can we can camp out right there. Like, what is that? What was that process like, man? Did did Coach Clifton hit your mom up? Hit your dad up? And was it uh, hesitancy? He called my dad. He called my dad. Actually, um, in Aiken, I wasn't really, I wasn't really uh popping to the to the community. You know what I'm saying? Shout out everybody that was really good when I was younger. You know, sixth, seventh grade. Uh, me actually playing the ball was a laughing stock. My brother was the man, and so uh, I believe. Brian hasn't told me this out of his exact words. He told me different things, and I'm paraphrasing. But I believe he got his way in the game by going to find the talent that may have been four or five star that nobody knew about. Instead of most of the people that were coming up in the AAU industry were fighting over all the three, four, and five star guys. Brian had an understanding of the game to know that these aren't the only ones out there. These are just the ones we know about. So he went and found guys who were developing like myself. Um, and he used guys like Eric Wallace, who already had a name as the focal point to build upon. And so I'd say all that to say that is kind of where I fell. Even in my own community, I wasn't really considered a good basketball player, but I had things that I knew I had, I felt inside. And somebody that had higher level understanding could see also heard about me and called my dad. What's interesting about all of what I just said is I started to flourish a little bit just because I was a six, five ninth grader. <laughs> so everybody wanted to understand what was going on with this guy. My dad never really took, the time to talk to many AAU coaches and stuff. I played for an AAU team out of something South Carolina um, with uh, Coach Anderson. A lot of people know Coach Anderson now because Zion Williamson and John Morant came out of uh, Carolina. He had a hand, I'm, I'm told, allegedly, in things with them. And um, I played for him and my uncle Mark Moses. That was the team I played for. So the fact that when Brian called, my dad even came downstairs and said, hey, we're going to go check out this team in North Carolina. That alone kind of spoke volumes to me, even as a child. I remember thinking, I was watching SpongeBob in the downstairs, and I remember thinking, like, yo, like, all the people that called, what did this guy say to my dad to where we about to make a four-hour drive to have practice? So um, if that if that sums it up right there, that's that's pretty much what my take on that. No, it does. It does. So you move to North Carolina, and it's interesting, like, he – okay, so Coach Brian saw the seed, not the bouquet. He saw the talent. He saw the potential and brought you up to North Carolina. You go to North Carolina, make a name for yourself, and you got all these D1 offers. Like who, who was included in that offer list aside from Oklahoma State? Um, you know, that, that gets tricky because when you're a young guy, you think anybody that writes you a letter offer. But um, ones that I can definitely account for, Virginia Tech, uh, Kentucky, Clemson, Oklahoma State, obviously, Marquette. Uh, it's more. I'm just – Wake Forest. Uh, we'll stop there. It, it may, it's a few more for sure. They either I can't remember, or they may be uh, more mid-major level, which that's fine. But those were the most high-major joints, and those are all pretty high-major schools, I'm sure. I think. So why Oklahoma uh, State? Why did you decide OK State? Um, honestly, I was a Kentucky guy. I, I love Kentucky from the standpoint of a guy who doesn't know much about an institution. I'm talking about I just like the, the players that played there, the colors, you know, like that, the history of basketball. Right. So, um, um. Uh, I kind of was verbally committed to them. Uh, I verbally committed to Kentucky around the end of my sophomore year. And Tubby Smith, the coach, left and went to Minnesota, University of Minnesota. When he left, I kind of was, you know, SOL, all the schools that I had kind of just been leading on because I knew I wanted to go to Kentucky. I can't say leading on. I verbally committed. 
But still, I would talk to him, and, you know, I was in love with the process, if I'm honest. So, you know, I thought it was cool to be recruited, so I flaunted it as much as I could. Well, now it was time for that to pay off because I wasn't going to Kentucky anymore. And I kind of literally went home, clicked play on my parents' answer machine back in South Carolina. And I listened to all the schools that left messages and had serious interest. And I called Brian Clifton, the guy I referenced earlier, and said, I have opinions on this. I have no clue what I'm doing. I just know how to hoop. My parents have opinions on this. They do have clues on what to do, but this is not their domain. You know what I'm saying? What do you think? He said, given what kind of person you are, given your, your talent, your ability, and the fragileness of your mind state at this point. He told me something along these lines. I'm paraphrasing, but this is what he told me. You need to play for someone that's going to help you develop and also, for lack of better words, not kick your ass out of school for being soft or, you know, making some mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that was a very honest, uh, that was a very detailed and honest answer from somebody that I love and trusted. Ran it by my parents. I'm pretty sure him and my dad had some words that grown men understand that I probably didn't understand each other, so they didn't let me know. And that was that. I said, yeah, my pop is on board. My mom is on board. Brian is on board. I trust him. I've been rocking with this dude. I've been living with this dude. You know what I'm saying? People thought I came from a broken home. No, my family good. <laughs> they doing this to give me an opportunity. So that shows the, the level of trust that these people had in their own process that they made. So I damn sure was going to trust it also. So uh, I went to Oklahoma State because of that for that reason. And we, we, went, we went on a visit. And the visit was phenomenal. I'm not going to just accredit it to that. The, the, the visit was amazing. I went out there. They played OU, actually. It was in the middle of the season. So all the stuff you might be thinking, oh, he went on a visit and they had him partying. But no. Um, when I went out there, they had OU the next day. I stayed in the hotel, same hotel as the players. And OB Manello can attest to this and Marcus Dove. I actually stayed up all night. I'm in the hotel, you know, waiting. The game is the next day. So you had to visit. You go see all the stuff, blah, blah. I'm in the hotel chilling in Oklahoma by myself. I think uh, my dad might have been with me, but he had his own room. So, uh, Obi Manello called my phone like 11 p.m., you know? And they, they got a big game tomorrow. I think it's like Big Monday. They're playing the, their rival school. This is crazy. Bedlam. And he's like, yo, what are you doing? I don't know this guy to buy you, by the way. Uh-huh. I said, uh, I'm just sitting in my hotel room. He said, yo, yo, come to room so-and-so, so-and-so. So I come to the room, and uh, this is, the, this is the, all the way honest truth of the story. I know when I tell this story, people are going to say, no, nah, he's leaving something out. They was drinking or something. But there was none of that involved. We literally sat there, cracked jokes, laughed, and had a blast until about 4 a.m. in the morning. I went back to my room, went to bed. The game was earlier the next day. We woke up. They got up and kicked OU's butt on TV. That also spoke volumes to me because I was not one of those people that thought that discipline had to be hard-nosed and uncomfortable. You dig what I'm saying? And what that said to me was those guys weren't, disrespectful to their craft, staying up all night. They knew they were prepared. And they knew if I could play like Coach probably told them like I could because they had never seen me play. I'm on an official visit, though. It's important for him to understand the culture and the fun of this place. So he brings his ass here, too. <laughs> so and I saw that. I said, oh, I'm not leaving here without committing. And I committed after the game. I think after the game or the next day, I committed to uh, Coach Sean saying, what's up, Coach? <laughs> Dang. And uh, so your career, when you got there, the first year wasn't what you expected. Typical freshman story, true true freshman. What mm-hmm. was that experience like for you, man? T- talk to me about that. The bottom, the worst, to how you finished your career at OU. Okay. Uh, you almost said OU there. I know, I know, I know. I almost had to hang up. That's blasphemy. <laughs> 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 no, but um, uh, you know how they say hindsight is twenty twenty. Well, 
looking right now, I can say that this is one of the changing points and one of the best things that ever could have happened to me in my life. But going through it, it was horrendous. Uh, I was identified. I'm pretty sure you'll get to this at some point because you put out something a few years ago, a conversation me and you had something along these lines to talk about this. I was identified deeply with basketball, you know, and I, it basically had been taken away. I mean, I was on a basketball team, but I mean, really non-existent. And that kind of thing can kill your drive if you thought you were something and you're realizing you're not that. Um, always been a really bright guy, but how how smart is it to have the ability to be good at something and not do it? That's kind of stupid. So you can be smart and stupid at the same time. So I was a smart dummy. So I, I let my bad feeling about basketball translate over into school and doing the right things that I had learned all my life and all of that. And so you know how uh, how things work now, hindsight of 2020, you get back the energy you put out. So I was just having this spiral of just bullshit, bullshit thoughts. Excuse my language, I'm sorry. BS thoughts, um, uh, BS experiences. You might as well let them fly sorry, now. I, I, so I got to take the C off of the podcast episode. <laughs> put the E on there. My bad, bro. You my could. bad, man. You know how I am, man. I, I get passionate about what I say, and I, it's hard to – but I do got I do got to dibble and dabble differently in other industries. So even though I might as well let them fly, I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that now just to be respectful to the listeners who don't like that. You know what I'm saying? Understood. But um, I have BS uh, thoughts, BS habits because I was letting my emotions con- uh, construct my habits. It was just a horrible spiral, and so I I didn't play. And what I really should have been doing was if I had a stronger mind was things that were conducive to being successful. I should have picked up in the things that I, I couldn't control getting on the floor. I could have, but I wasn't ready, apparently, to the coach. So I should have been better in school. I should have went harder in practice, but instead not playing made me worse at those things. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so my freshman year was not really that good of a year, except for um, I grew a little bit off the court. I started reading and stuff more because I couldn't identify with basketball. When you're left with whoever you thought you used to be is gone, then you're left with nothing. Or really, you're left with your real self, which is very powerful. And I started trying to do things to tap into my power, like read and, you know what I'm saying, strengthen my mind, work out on my own, work out extra, go get shots up, not so I could have 30 on Friday night because I wasn't going to play on Friday night just because I love basketball. You see what I'm saying? And then I started seeing a difference. <laughs> Man, what is uh, – so, dang, I can go, I can go far. You, told, you said one thing to one of my trainees one time, man, that is – always stuck with me and one thing a bunch of things in me that you said too that hopefully we can cover in this time but you said look man you ain't the 30 point game you ain't the zero point game what did you mean by that um that's that's what i was talking about with self-identifying with basketball and so if you have 30 points this would be just an example you say it's your first time having 30 or you're new to this or you have 30 at the highest level you've ever played you feel amazing you feel great and I was also talking in one of my snaps earlier on my Instagram, pro underscore motion 33, follow me um, for content. Got to get that promo out there. Yes, sir. I was talking about um, the release of dopamine or really what makes people an addict. We just think addicts are just people who do drugs or things like that. Everybody's got some kind of addiction. Hopefully it's something uh, empowering, like reading, like starting a podcast, like training and, and, and empowering the ki- uh, children in your community. You see what I'm saying? You can be addicted to that. But what happens is, if you don't know who you are and when you score 30 points, everything outside of you, first of all, when you don't know who you are, you look for validation outside of you inside. And it's a no go. You have no clue who you are and you're not searching there because you think there's nothing there. So other people validate who you are to you mentally. This isn't like consciously it's subconsciously. And it's a whole psychological thing. If you want to go into that too, we can, but I'll stay off of that now. 
but that's what people, that's, that's how it works. You know, it worked for me that way too. So if you score 30 points and everybody's like, yo, you have 30, even in this day and age, they're sharing it on Instagram. They're doing all this crazy, amazing stuff. And you don't know who you are. You start thinking this is me. I mean, that's what everybody's saying. When they, when you read the message, it says you were amazing tonight. That girl you've been thinking about since ninth grade who finally hit you up your senior year after the game said, you look cute in the home jerseys. You dig what I'm saying? So you start to think that's who you are. So when that happens, that is a very, very dangerous mindset. Because the moment you can't perform well, what do you think happens to your mindset that you build up? You also identify with that. So whatever it was leading up to you having 30 points, should be way more important to you than the 30 points you had and is way more indication of who you are than the 30 points or zero points you had. It kind of goes into when people say, it's not about the destination, but the journey. Why did I have 30 is what I ask myself now as an old nerd who kind of, I'm insane a little bit. <laughs> so I re- why did I have 30 points? And why, didn't I, why don't I have 30 points every time? What am I doing in between the week? What am I doing at night? What time am I going to bed? I learned this from Oklahoma State. Shout out Coach Steve Middleton. He told me, he said, Mo, I know you like to go out and stuff. You like to party, right? He said, I ain't telling you not to do that because I used to do that stuff too, man. Enjoy your college. I'm just saying you need to learn responsibility and discernment on what to do. He said, you know how I learned this in college? I said, how, oh, Coach? He said, man, I was the man. And he showed me the stats. He killed. He played it on, I want to say Southern Illinois. But he said, uh, the, 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 the Salukis. What school is that? I don't know. I think Southern Illinois. But that's where he played. And um, he said, my coach pulled out a stat sheet from the season. And he showed me a list and he was looking at it and he said, he showed me my stats all the way around from turnovers to minutes played to points to whatever on Thursday night. And he showed me on Saturday night or Tuesday and Saturday or one of the two. And he said, Mo, I would still play where I'm on Saturday sometimes. But the difference was if you believe in statistics and all that kind of stuff, which I do, I think they matter. I don't think that's all that matters, but it definitely matters. He said, Mo, the evidence was irrefutable on the nights where it was the night after I partied, meaning I definitely partied and did what I wanted to do, but still came out, I produced worse. For me to ignore this would be lying to myself. You dig what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Dang. And I took, I, I took on that. I take on that in, in, my, in my life and sometimes now because, like you spoke about in being unorthodox, my lifestyle is unorthodox. But I believe it's morally right based on the morals that have been constructed in me. I believe that I'm, I'm righteous, not that I'm perfect. I think the mistakes make me better because of my mindset. But I believe I'm righteous because I only care about loving people and loving my family and loving myself, like genuinely. So a lot of people are like, oh, why are you trying to get money? Or why are you trying to – because I love myself. And I guarantee you I got a bigger plan than just to enjoy life, to just cop a big house and buy cars. I ain't going to tell you because I know how that works, and we could talk later about that, putting words out. I literally will tell you what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? I'm speaking in general. I literally right. will tell you, Myson. Right. But I'm saying, because I, I believe how that works, but it, it's a whole, it's, it's a system. If you really believe in, in the love system, if you really believe in what, uh, whatever, whatever God you believe in, that, that, that love is empowering, I see that everywhere. You can't get away from it. Even people who don't believe in God, they say, we don't have to believe in God. There's no such thing as God. We should just love one another. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> Everybody gets this. So I'm like, man, I'm operating from this state of mind. That's why I'm always reading. That's why I'm in this, in that level of place because I love myself. And I realize the more knowledge I get, the more empowered I am. And the more I empower myself, I love the way that feels. And I also love to go share with other people. You dig what I'm saying? Yep. So everything that comes with that 
Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. My bad. No, I'm, 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 I'm curious. No, no, no. I, I like I like the rants, man, because it's I want to keep you on the love part or helping people because in 2020, your main goal is to help people see clearly. What have you been helping people see clearly the most so far this year? Only 10 days in, 11 days in. To think for themselves. We in every step of the way, our thoughts. I literally just told my daughter, this is dope you would ask me that. I walked in a room with a cup of tea. And she said, what is that? With an ill look on her face. I said, hot tea. She said, I want some hot tea. But she said it in a way and made her face almost in lack. She was lacking tea now at this point. And an emotion was there. This happens to all of us. We, we don't make it this deep. You see, we brush over this. This is little stuff. People who don't think like this, they think I'm stupid or crazy. But this is how I think. She felt something there. The, the, the emotion she felt was that she lacked tea now. I had something she now didn't have. But if I never came in the room, she'd have never thought about tea. You see what I'm saying? That matters to me. So my, my, I, I told her, I said, people have the power, if you're not conscious of it, to make their thoughts your thoughts. If you don't believe me, what's advertisement? What's marketing? It's a billion-dollar industry per year. You see what I'm saying? But if you don't know this, you don't believe this, or you don't think this is as serious as it is, part of the reason could be because your thoughts aren't your own. That, see, that's okay. So that that's I was following, and there was a big jump there. It was small steps, increments. Then there was a big jump. Insane. I like the big jump. Let's own, talk about the big jump. It's really, not, it's really not that big of a jump, but it seems like a big jump saying my thoughts are yeah. my own, but I can see how you got led to that point. Yes, and I speak that way for a reason. Because I'm trying to help people see clearly. See, being extreme helps things. I'll say something that I know is to the extremes of my point, meaning I may be exaggerating what I'm saying more than I actually mean it, to get interaction. And the people that I spark interaction from, I know they care about this subject, whether they admit it or not. It could be a post on Facebook, it could be anything. I learned that also from in the basketball world and great coaches and things like that. You got to be able to spark something to people. You can't just walk up and just because you know what I tell you all the time, Mikey, truth can't be told. It can only be realized. So just because you know a lot don't mean that you can help people. You got to be a mastermind at getting people to realize things. And one thing is to talk to the person, the inner you, that people think I'm crazy that I'm talking about. One way to get that person alert is to say something to spark, just outlandish. It's still going to be toward my beliefs, but it's, it's going to be blatant and remarkable normally. You know what I'm saying? Then you say, whoa, what do you mean my thoughts ain't my own? My thoughts can't be nothing but my own. And then I say, okay, well, debate me. Because psychology, I got science on my side. Psychology says otherwise. Thanks. Man, so how does, how does this journey, this infatuation, uh, this curiosity of learning about the higher self, how does that help you with your career, with basketball, with being a father, with being a husband, with music, everything? Do you believe in God? Here we go. Yes, I believe in God. <laughs> well, this is what you just asked me. You said higher self. It is. It is. Okay. It is. It is. So yeah, I, do. I do. When you when you pray before games, back when you played, because you believe in your God, do you believe that God is now a part of you because of your faith in God? Yeah. So when yes. you pray, you ask God for empowerment to take care of you, watch over you, blah, blah, whatever we all pray for. I've been a million, million times over. When you ask for that, what did it mean to you? Were you now into tapping into or asking from power to receive from a higher self 
or higher self connected to a higher uh, being. Absolutely. Then that's the same it means for me. I also had a conversation with you off air, but it's great to now have it on air about words and they really don't actually mean anything. They're just descriptions of something. So words are like signposts. They point you to Aiken. We talk about Aiken beginning of the podcast. If I see a sign that says Aiken, South Carolina, this way, and I've never been to Aiken before and I'm looking for it, if I just think the signpost is where I'm going, I'll set up shop there. I'll park my car, get my bag, and just stay right there under the sign. But I know when somebody says Aiken, they're talking about something. And when I get to Aiken, I no longer need the word Aiken to help me understand anything. I can touch it. I can look around. I can see it. I now know what Aiken is. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what language means to me. So when people say hi, because I've been around the world, I see so many people, I realize now that anybody can get offended. And being offended is also a part of your thinking patterns because everybody's trying to say the same thing. But we're so stuck in our ways that we're not open to talking to other people. So when you say God, when some people say higher self, when they say consciousness, when they say being, when they say awareness, people are meaning around the same thing or really the same thing, but they call it different based on how they was raised, their belief systems. I respect all. So I say higher self, meaning regardless of what you believe, that belief is now tapping into what you call you. So if you believe it and you're in, engulfed in it, then you're in your higher self. I say higher self because it helped me explain to anybody that believes in a God what state of mind I'm talking about because the words aren't important. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about when you hear it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I can see divine, higher self. Uh, yeah. All, all, all of it. Same thing is what you're saying. I think I saying people mean the same thing when they say it. Mean the same. I want to I want to make the wording I want to make the wording different because I don't want to. That's dis. That's kind of somebody could take that disrespectful. You know what I'm saying? Like you trying to say my my belief is your belief. No, I'm not saying they're all the same thing. I'm saying that everybody had an experience. That's why that's why at the core of everything, even science, at the core of everything is faith based. You dig what I'm saying? Yes. So you had an experience something is making you believe what you believe and i will never disrespect that because i had the same thing it's just maybe about something different but i think whatever it was we felt if we can get the words out the way because that's what we fighting over we felt the same thing that's what i think i don't think what you're saying is the same thing i just think we're having a similar experience and because we were taught different ways to express it or we believe in different ways to express it we think the words that we're expressing it with are important. They are, but they're not the end-all, be-all. The end-all, be-all is the experience. When you say God, God is what you mean. Not the G-O-D, the words we're saying. But see, the word can be misconstrued. Now anybody can say God because God is pointing to a higher being. So now everybody uses the word God. But when somebody else says it, they don't mean what you mean. See how words can get confusing? I mean what's under the words. Got you. Got you. So let me ask this, and I'm, I'm over. I'm all over the place now. What with it? Because I imagine this this journey started whenever you began to play in your overseas career, correct? Or was this in college, really? It, interesting question. I've always been on this journey. It's just I I accredited being on the journey to my beliefs and not my love for my beliefs. I didn't give enough credit to me for that. Everybody, like I had a lot of people around me that believed what I was thinking, but they still wasn't going to read as much as I was. They still wasn't, you know what I'm saying? So I was saying that I was motivated by that, but I'm realizing now that I've always been on this journey. 
I've been on this journey so much that I've been able to have these transitions. And I believe also is the reason why I have a, a pro career overseas in, a, in an essence. I ain't just trying to be crazy talk, but yeah, I believe I have a life purpose. And that's the reason why I'm going all around. It ain't to go play ball at these places that I'm, you know what I'm saying? Making memories and taking pictures in. It's something different. So really I've always been on this journey, but to be literal, because I don't want to uh, be all philosophical on the podcast to answer your question straightly. Uh, I was thinking, I feel like in my lower self, even when I thought I was in my higher self, meaning I was thinking worldly to the people who speak that language. When I thought I was being empowered by God, because I knew the language and I knew the actions and I knew how to uh, trigger the emotions within myself to trick myself to think I was feeling an encounter. You know what I'm saying? But it's long lasting. It leaves, it leaves residue. It's not, it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not like a, Ooh, I feel it now. I don't, Ooh, I feel you know what I'm saying? If you can be quickly taken over by anger, if you can be quickly taken over by stress and anxiety at any moment, you, I don't know how you could say, this is no disrespect to anybody. This is what I would say to myself. I don't know how you could say that God lives in you or the body is the Lord's temple. How is God in there? Where and when? I feel, I'm listening. You see what I'm saying? I just wanted to pause for a second because I want to get What I'm saying, I think it's powerful, but I wanted to make sure I meant, I meant every word. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I said it correctly. I know I know what I mean. I'm saying, it, it, not saying you'll be perfect, not saying you'll never feel anger, but there should be some level of discernment that people who let those emotions control them don't understand, a.k.a. peace that surpasses all understanding. Mm-hmm. You see? I do. How you say the how you say the everlasting Prince of Peace live in you, but at every step and moment of your life, you don't feel peace, or you feel peace as long as everything is going your way. In the moment, one little nick of anything ain't going your way, peace ain't there no more. I know he say faith the size of a mustard seed, but dang, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? Right. But so, go ahead, go ahead. My listening, bad. Listening, listening. No, he. <laughs> No, I don't even know what I was about to say. I, I just, you paused, so I was going to elaborate. You let me know when you want me to switch gears or whatever. For sure. I was going to ask about – it's right now. And there's, there's something odd to me not knowing the overseas world. Overseas world. And I have a question about the misconceptions of playing basketball overseas. People, What people think really goes on, but what really doesn't go on, and little-known facts. But right now, you are you have been invited to play in the 2021 European Olympics – on that team, but right now you have GMs and coaches who are sleeping on you on a, on a team. How the heck does that yeah. work, and why is it happening, and what is your piece in this situation? Well, to make it as blatant, I know I'll be getting it off in uh, tangent. Sorry, y'all, for listening. That's really how I think until if you're still listening at this point. <laughs> but uh, uh, so I'll start being more blatant before I get off in those tangents so that my point is made before I get all mystical or whatever. But uh, – to be as blatant as I can, three on three ain't five on five. And I play Olympic three on three basketball. Uh, it used to be a joke to people. Now they see because it has been and done some things Olympically now uh, in an Olympic way. I don't know if Olympically is a word. In an Olympic way now because Ice Cube has the big three and it's popping all around, people are understanding. The fact that it was admitted in the Olympics alone is painting the picture for people. But when I first started, it was a laughing thing. So long story short, three on three on five on five. Three on three is what I'm doing the Olympic thing and booked with. Five on five is what I just got back from the tour with in China, you know, and I didn't uh, land a gig from that, although I did play well and make some great connections. I did not get a job from that. And so I'm waiting on a five on five job from a team that has a basketball season that is in alignment with the NBA basketball season, meaning 
when the NBA is playing, they playing. Because some seasons are at a different time. And right now, they're not interested in me. One, because my numbers from last year are down from the previous years that I've played. They aren't bad. Uh, the Turkish League did it. Uh, American, like, they rate them first team, second team, third team. And I think I either made third team or the honorable mention team after that, which means I was top 15 or 20 in the league out of all the foreigners in the league on my down year. So even though I didn't play up to my expectations, I also know I didn't. Um, that is probably a major reason why. Still a good player, though, and have a very notable career as far as in that in that realm. People know me. They know I can play. Even last year, I was getting double team every possession. I had a dude on my team that averaged 29 points, and I still was able, you know what I'm saying, to average 14 and 9 or whatever it was. So I, I feel like if they offered me less money or if the offers took a little longer to come in, I understood. You see, I'm sitting right here. I'm letting you know I'm accountable that my numbers were down. I'm not trying to make no excuse or nothing. I do think that me not having a job right now, I won't say it's crazy, but it's either proof of what's going on in the market or uh, maybe I'm crazy and I'm not as good or wasn't as good in the past as I thought I was. So along those notes, what are the misconceptions? People, everybody, a lot of people want to go play basketball overseas. A lot of people want to go do it. What are some of the things you should, you would help people see clearly or help them think on their own in regards to wanting to play overseas? What do you mean again? I'm not sure I understand the question. Misconception. What are the misconceptions? A lot of people I know, I just had a conversation today with somebody who wanted to play overseas. And there's a lot of okay. things that I don't know, that they don't know. But how would you help them patch up any misconceptions or that they have about, about playing basketball overseas or false beliefs? Okay. Uh, this is another thing I can be really blatant with. Uh, you don't have film. You're not going to get a job. The more experienced you are playing overseas, the more hands you got to get a job. Like the work world here. It's like the big old joke that people say here. People are like, man, this overseas thing is hard. Well, people in the work world are here, even with degrees, always say, I'll try to get a job. And they say, hey, we don't like hiring people without experience. Well, how am I supposed to get experience if nobody will hire me? You see? It's the same thing here. So the more experience you have, the better chance you can ever get a job. And uh, the longer, the further removed you are from your last season, whether it be college or some kind of league or anything, the less of a chance you have to get a job. This is why I have the Chinese school at the end of 2019, where I got picked up. This is why I believe I'll get picked up sometime in, in the end of the season. But if I don't, I got things lined up. So when next season comes, to most people, it look like I took a year off. But to the people who understand the basketball world, I say, uh, he's been active. So we'll give him a shot. Or I might be over in Europe and say, hey, I'll come work out for y'all. I'm already over here. Just let you see I'm in shape, but I'm the, I'm the Marshall Moses you remember. You know what I'm saying? So um, you got to be active in the basketball world. There are Las Vegas um, overseas things in the summer, but guys don't want to spend no money. Like anything in life, if you don't want to spend no money, I don't know. I don't know how much you really want. They want to spend money. They want to so Mo, it's uh, it's, it's the signal's kind of getting interrupted right now. The last thing that I heard clearly was, if you don't want to spend any money in Vegas, can you repeat that? Hello. Yeah, I can hear you now. The last thing I heard was, if you don't want to spend money and something about Vegas. Uh, after that, it wasn't clear. Can you repeat what you said? Yeah, I was just saying, like like any investment. If you don't want to spend money, how are you plan on seeing growth? And I'm saying when guys say they want to play overseas, a lot of them mean they want to play overseas and have the experience that guys like me have had, meaning that played at Oklahoma State that people sought after. 
You know what I'm saying? So I didn't have to go through any of that. I ain't spend no money. I ain't go to no camps. They called me with contracts. I sent them back. Say, no, I want this. My wife coming. Blah, blah, blah. I worked for that, though. So what they call being a prima donna, I say these are the luxuries of. We don't say that. We don't say that. Rich people being, you know what I'm saying? They buy, They work for that. That's the luxury of having this amount of money. That's the luxury of me working hard and getting to a place where I was respected that much in the basketball world. So if you haven't gotten to that place yet, don't expect the same perks. Just like the employee at the front desk, don't expect the same perks as the manager, and the manager don't expect the same perks as the owner. You know what I'm saying? But people think because it's a sport that it's a different hierarchy system. No, basketball is just what it is. It's just a business. Basketball is just what they named it. You know what I'm saying? If you want to just look at it that way, it's more than that, but that will be a good way to just put the mindset and perspective for people. So in this business hierarchy system, nobody knows you. You have no experience and no proof that you ever had any experience. But you mad people won't hire you. You have to get out here and get active and get proactive, meaning go to these overseas things that you play that you pay to go to, but don't sit around and play 2K and go out and party every weekend and eat whatever and then just show up to this overseas camp and say, nobody picked me up. I tried. You got to train just like the pro athletes train <laughs> because you are trying to go earn a spot with pro athletes. So when they see you out there, they should know this guy's a pro. A lot of those guys will miss shots or, you know, not have 30 points. Remember I told you not to identify with the points? So they'll not have 30 points and all of that. And they'll say, well, this is why I didn't get picked up. But the scout will say, man, he jogged up and down the court. This is a guard. He was moving up and down the court at the speed of a big. I mean, yeah, he got down there. That would be the guy's defense. You know how young guys think. I was getting down the court. <laughs> they ain't looking for people that can run down the court. They're looking for people that can run down the court at pro speed. You see what I'm saying? Right. So you got to train like a pro. You got to think and live like a pro, a.k.a. be a pro. Shout out my brand again. I had to throw a little promo in there. And, and then when you go to this camp, you will see the fruits of your labor. You see? But if you've been working and you've been putting in labor without a purpose, you get fruits of that labor too. It's just a different fruit. You ever heard people say you can't, play, you can't plant apples and expect oranges? You still got some fruit though. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that would be what I would tell the guys that you know where you at on the hierarchy system. It's guys with better resumes than me that also don't have a job. So that advice wouldn't apply to them. Whoever can hear this, you know where you at. But if you somebody fighting for a spot, it's possible. I know people that fought for spots. But when the first thing is, act like you was being a private eye. When the la where the last place you played? What evidence of that do you have? What was the best you were in and how long ago was that compared to now? What can you do now and how can any how can you prove that to anybody? If nobody will look at your videos, if you don't have any videos to send them, common sense will tell you, I got to get in front of them. Well, right there, that's what people dream die right there. They say, man, I ain't no way I can get to those teams. And they write, it's a huge obstacle. Now it depends on what, what's resourceful to you. Some people know guys that play overseas and go sleep on their couch. See, they'll praise Jeremy Lin's story when he did it in America. It's people who do that all the time. I'm not saying he don't deserve it. Shout out to Jeremy Lin. But I'm saying, like, it's people who do things that are extreme for their vision because they believe that they're basketball players. They didn't, they're not trying to make themselves believe they're a basketball player. They believe, man, it ain't working out right now, but I know in my heart I'm this. Then they look at the resources around them and see it was a way. It was just a strange way. It was an uncomfortable way that people would judge me for or say I was stupid until I pull it off. Then they want to write, write about me in magazines. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So, that would be my advice, man. If you love the game for real, if you really think you this, man, take a take a chance. Not not a not a stupid chance though, a calculated risk. All right. So two two questions. Two questions. 
one mm -hmm. I, one is well, the last one is not frivolous but it's like it's, it's even random the first one is yo so what did you tell me you how do you identify not just a basketball player you, you're a basketball player when the time comes when you need to be when you got to work mm -hmm. out or you got to play but you're a father when it needs to be a father when you need to be a father you're an artist whenever you're you're producing music shout out to winter nights three best album um i've heard in a while but what are you my man what are you basically who are you is what you're asking me yeah yeah you you telling everybody else evaluate who they are and not identify with what they do and stuff who are you is that what you're asking me yes <laughs> my man well this is where i got to get a little mystical on you not because i want to try to trick you and you'll know i ain't trying to trick you based on what i'm saying but because this is what i genuinely believe i understand why they call us human beings because that is really what you are remember i told you these words get a little tricky this is why i said it'll be mystical being is just the state of being just to be so in our essence to avoid the spiritual things because i know that might get a little eerie to people you know what i'm saying i just read a lot i just haven't been really read some religious books but i'll steer from that and go more scientific it, the core essence of us what we are is energy so we're energy that exists in a form if we had to break it down to like some base root you know what i'm saying i think we're way more than that in our powers you know what i'm saying I, i'm not I just i'm just saying break it down to the base root we're energy in a form so really what you are is that what you do with that energy is predicated upon your thoughts and continuous embedded habits we are creatures of habits that is what the subconscious mind is also in psychology or science and they will tell you that mostly of what you operate out of is the person that you constructed that you're not even consciously aware is there the conscious mind is like five to ten percent of what you operate out of to some degree meaning what you think and you see and what you th you know what i'm saying like uh for an example physics says that nothing is solid you dig what i'm saying mm. but based on the conscious mind that is ridiculous <laughs> you know what i'm saying i'm sitting in a chair right now i'm holding a jug of water and a phone i mean I could, the list goes on what do you mean but what they explain at a scientific or quantum level is that that is ultimately vibration and frequency exactly what you are but you are vibrating at a way higher frequency than that so those two things can't go through each other so really essentially you're hovering but your conscious mind because that's what your eyesight is gov was governing your eyesight and all that kind of stuff to some degree it, it, it can't see that so if you can't believe this is why i said something re requires faith even science if you believe that that is bad i don't know about that you know what i'm saying so i say all that to say i'm energy and my thoughts uh, aka what i do with the energy that i am is going to be based on what i've been teaching myself so before i thought i was a basketball player and all of this stuff because that's what I told myself every day, literally in my mind. I remember my thoughts. I remember what I got mad at. I remember what made me excited. I was totally identified with basketball. Now I can't identify with anything that can be taken away from me. But if I go around telling people I'm identified with energy, they'd say, this dude is insane. Not only would they say I'm insane, my mission is to help people and talk to them. Nobody wants to talk to the guy who's like, what? <laughs> Your energy, that's what you want to go with? But what they're not understanding is that energy is connected to ridiculous amount of levels of thing and one of them is my thoughts and so i've been saying hey how can i control this energy not consciously well i've been reading about the subconscious and learning ways to train it not in no secret weird way i'm talking about the science what you do habitually i mean it's that simple you want to change your subconscious mind change your habit it's going to be extremely uncomfortable you want to change the realm you're thinking change your environment i mean it's literally night and day simple 
But I was insane enough to go try it to the point where I believe, this is that faith again, I believe this stuff was true to the point where I'm like, I'm willing to risk it all for this. And most people are not. And I feel them because that's a dangerous game to play. But that's what I've decided I am. This is what I identify with. I got to know. I can't just take the word at face value. I've read some things that are interesting. Now, how much do you believe what you read or how much is this going to be more mind stuff? I like the mind. I love it, actually. That's why I like to read about psychology. But I don't want all just mind stuff. I can't just be something that I constructed as a concept because that can be taken away. So I get what people say when they say I'm a fireman. But they told me that at a family dinner with their wife and kids. If a fire broke out right there, they can't stop it. Yes, they're a fireman when they need to be. But what about what about if you are a fireman and you get a call right there from your daughter? Your daughter just got in a your your, your wife called you and your daughter just got in a bad accident. She didn't she didn't die or anything, but she's in the hospital and she needs some help. Now, which one are you? Because in the, in the TV shows, that person has a dilemma. You know why they have a dilemma? Because they can't figure out which one to identify with. You see? I do. Am I the I fireman do. or am I the father? If you realize you're the energy that embodies both, then you won't have anxiety. And if you practice this enough, I won't say right there in that moment, you'll probably have a clearer sight or have, make a better decision on which one to go do. Or maybe find a way to do both. The dilemma is caused by the anxiety. The anxiety is caused by the confusion on who you actually are. It's all, it goes back to, I didn't like, I'm reading a book, Atomic Habits by uh, James Clear, I believe his name is. And if you have any books, I definitely would like you to recommend them, but it's talking about habits and he's saying the deepest, the best way to change your habits is not behavior modification. It's a way, but the deepest way is by changing your identity. If you smoke and you don't identify with a smoker, like I'm not a smoker, then you're not going to smoke. Like, is that, is that simple? Like you said, but I'm sure you can elaborate more on that. But that's why I, I feel like he's saying the same thing. Yeah. I didn't understand what you just said right there. You would have to explain that to me more. You said it's not a behavioral change. It's an identity change. It's an identity and then change. he's talking about how powerful the habit is. So the habit has got to be a major essential part of your identity. Exactly. So he's it's saying like a circle. It's a circle. So it is a, it is a behavior change. It is. But the behavior change is not first. What he's saying is the identity happens first. Then the behavior follows. Okay. Okay. So he's saying something happens psychologically and then you follow that. I can get with that. Correct. Like, I then you change your habits. I don't identify with smoking. I'm not a smoker, so I don't smoke. It's not hard for me to deny or to not. So, accept. what do you tell the people who stop smoking? And when they stop smoking, it, it bothers them. It was hard for them to stop smoking. That's the question. They yeah. they had the, they had to be habit change first, and then the psychological came because the habit changed. They stopped smoking, and then they realized, hey, I'm actually not. It's not as bad as I thought because they fought the bad feeling. But the bad feeling would would make that statement. You know what I'm saying? A little tricky. Right, they had a behavior change first. Can't speak, can't speak to them because I, I know people who go through a behavior change and then they have the behavior change and they feel bad about it, but then it's solidified once they have the identity change. But this is not James Clear speaking. This is me assuming that stuff. But it's like chicken, egg, egg and, yeah. egg and chicken. Like which one came first? But yeah, no, that, that makes sense what he's saying. No, I wouldn't try to refute him or debate him on that. Just try to get clearer understanding. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And my last question, man, is it's uh, not like a big. It's an anti. It's almost anticlimactic, I think. But Des Bryant, like, what is your relationship with him, man? How did that even pop off? I see my man like actually comment on some of your stuff. Like, I don't know if y'all talk, but what is that about? Yeah, that's my man. I mean, uh, back to the blatantness again. We went to school together. You know what I'm We went to Oklahoma yeah. State. Um, I'm I'm not a huge football fan, and so I didn't really know who he was to the magnitude of other people until I started going to the gates. But I'm saying initially. 
I know he's a big time recruit and wide receiver and all that. But I had some classes with him and stuff. Like when we were freshmen, fresh out of high school. And we kind of clicked a little bit on that. I think it was because of that. Because I kind of talked to him and dealt with him normally. And just even if you follow him or see the stuff he posts on now, and that's kind of his thing is people being real. And But I didn't know that at the time. But, you know, we made some conversations and talked. And then as he as he blew up more, I'm pretty sure everybody wanted to be his friend. So the people he would hang out with at times were the people who were his friend before they knew who he was or the people who didn't care. You know, I only went to the football games. As long as we didn't have practice and got our stuff right, you know, to, to see the girls and have fun and enjoy the atmosphere, to be honest. You know what I'm saying? I'm not much of a football fan. And Dez was amazing. And I don't have to be a fan of anything to notice a, a, a superstar. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I would enjoy watching you guys play. But I he, I think a lot of them guys, not even just Dez, they could understand that I wasn't, for lack of better terms, uh, have a groupy mindset. You know, the people tell you groupy mindset, there's got to be some girl chasing them. No, I think anybody that's infatuated with what you identify with, Hmm. then that's kind of groupy. You, uh, but Dez don't identify with football, you see? So we were able to yeah. click. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't like the people that thought he should identify with football. So he didn't want to talk to them. He would. He'd do the cameras and he'd do the stuff. But when it was time for him to be intimate, that don't mean nothing uh, weird for the people who want to try to do that. Look that word up and break it down. That means be your real self, be your personal self. That's why you be intimate with your spouse because you can take the mask off that you wear at work. So when he wanted to be his real self, he brought the people around him who didn't give a damn about what he, sorry about the word, I almost made it through, who, who didn't <laughs> care. <laughs> he, he went around the people who didn't care about um, what they identified him at. Well, he's the football player. He's this. He makes all that money. You know, I don't want to be around those people when I'm trying to be my real self because I know I'm not that. Mm, yeah. That's fire. Hey, Mo, appreciate you, man. Hey, drop that, that Instagram username one more time or anywhere else we can find the album, whatever you want to plug right now. Man, I appreciate it. Pro underscore motion. Sorry, I'm cold. I'm walking with no jacket on. Pro underscore motion. 33 on Instagram. Martha Moses on Facebook. You can find all of my music on Audio Mac. It's a free app. They got all your favorite artists on there. Free all underground artists on there. It's not just hip hop. It's a wonderful up and coming app. You can find all my music for free. Nice and I appreciate you for having me. Uh, thanks to anybody who listens. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yo, hope that podcast gave you some value. If it did, please rate, review, and subscribe to this. It only makes the podcast better. I read every single one. And at the very least, go join our group. You'll see the link in the description of this episode. And I will catch you on the next one. podcast gave you some value if it did please rate review and subscribe to this it only makes the podcast better i read every single one and at the very least go join our group you'll see the link in the description of this episode and i will catch you on the next one